Shalom, and welcome to Kol Dorot On Your Way, a project of Kol Dorot, a Reform Jewish community in Bergen County, New Jersey. I'm Rabbi Noah Fabricant. It's been a little while since we did this. I think we, we had to recover a little bit from the High Holy Days, but there's lots going on here at Temple, and we've gotten lots of great feedback on the podcast, so I'm really excited to be doing this again. And today, I am sitting across the table from Cantor Sarah Silverberg. Hello! I'm back. One of our most requested guests. Oh, really? Here, here on <laughs> here on Colder Road on your way. I had no idea. So, um, you may have noticed when you started listening to this podcast that the music leading into the podcast has changed, um, and that is that is an intentional change, and that is what we are here to talk about with the canter. Um, when we first started doing this podcast, I was I was very nervous about what kind of music we could legally use uh, to be our introduction and, and um, our exit music. And so I tried to pick things that were mostly lie, 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 uh, <laughs> or that were folk tunes that, as far as I know, have no known author. Um, but now, now, as you just heard, we have actual music leading into the podcast. So, Cantor Sarah, what has changed? So, Colderoat now has J license, which allows us to legally use and stream our music from our synagogue. That raises a lot of different questions. <laughs> my, my first question is, have we been using music illegally all this time? Technically, yeah. <laughs> um, so music copyright law for synagogues says that any music that you put on a handout or in visual tefillah, if you like project it, if it's not words that come directly from the prayer book, we can't legally use it. We can't legally use it. Um with J license, now we have permission to put it on podcasts. We have permission if some synagogues like to live stream their services. So uh, live streamed music can now go out to the public with a J license. Um, because what happens is composers write their music and they would like synagogues to use it widely, but there wasn't a good system in place in our Jewish music world for them to get compensated for the music that they were writing. So now we're going to be able to use our music mm -hmm. legally, yes. which means that we are going to we're going to pay money. This is something we pay for. It's something that we pay for. Yeah. And where does that money go? Um, it goes to um, to the artists. It goes back to the artists. The music that. Um, that we sing, they will now get compensated for the music that they have written. So this is a project that um, does require, in addition to the money, requires a little bit of work on our part. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean on the canter's part. <laughs> <laughs> so what? tell us, what are you going to have to do um, you know, from week to week to, to make sure that the right artists are getting paid from the music Colter Rote is using? So um, I have scheduled into my calendar, I think it's on Wednesday mornings, I have scheduled it in, that I'm going to go online and look through the past week of all the music that we have sung. And that includes Friday night Shabbat, Saturday morning 
bar and bat mitzvah services, Sundays in the religious school, um, any other music that we do randomly throughout the week. And I'm going to put it um, on into the website, into the catalog, um, and report all the music that we have sung. And anything that we put on the podcast. Goes and on anything that, that we, that includes the podcast. Yep. Exactly. You know, of course, this might seem like a, a technical kind of behind the scenes legal thing mm-hmm. for the Jewish world. But of course, there are there are Jewish values here, too. Um, our Jewish music is an extremely important part of our community. I think mm-hmm. just just about anybody who talks about, you know, what do they love about about services or about synagogues, you know, music, uh, Jewish camps, music mm-hmm. comes up really high on the list. And that music is made by by people. And, and one of our Jewish values is properly compensating people who work for us. The Torah famously says, you shall not let a laborer's wages remain with you until morning. You should pay people on time. And so, of course, we've been using music for decades and decades and decades <laughs> without paying anybody. Right. And and Jay License, this is going to give us a chance to change that. I wanted to ask you, Cantor, because I don't think people have a great idea of this, who writes the music that we sing in services and religious school and things like that? So it's a really wide range of people, actually. Um, some of the music is is really, really new, within the last few years new. Um, for example, on Sunday mornings, um, when the religious school gathers together, the all the religious school students sing a Hine Matov by the artist Alana Arian. It goes, Hine Matov, Umanaim Shevet Achim Gam Yachad. I'd have to look. I don't know exactly when it was written, but I would be willing to bet between 2015 and 2019, something like that. So some really new stuff. And then there are artists like Dan Nichols and Craig Taubman and Jeff Klepper, um, Lots of different modern artists who are writing music. Noam Katz is a great artist. Chava Morel out on the West Coast. All these new artists who are um, creating lots of new music for us to use. Um, and then there are some, uh, I'm using some air quotes now, classic stuff. Um, like like the Shema that we sing. Shema Yisrael. That's by Solomon Sulzer. Um I'm reporting that to Jay License as well. So who who gets paid every time we sing Shema? Um, I, I, I believe it's the foundation that um, is connected to his music. So same thing with Debbie Friedman. I'd have to double check, but I think that her foundation gets the, the credit, the, the music uh, they're paid for every yeah. time we sing Misha Berach. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. Just in that list of people that you rattled off, you know, mm-hmm. some of those people are rabbis and cantors. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are full-time working musicians. Right. Some of them yeah. make their living doing music, you know, writing music and traveling and performing. And some of them have, have a day job. Right. <laughs> um, and it's it's a really interesting mix of of backgrounds and people. But I think one of the things that I wanted to emphasize is it's not corporations. Oh, No. No, you know. So when we talk about paying royalties, right? Uh, you know, we are the the money that we're paying for J license is not going to some giant music publishing conglomerate uh, mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, most of the Jewish composers that uh, that write the things that we sing at Kolderot are are 
people. Uh, right. You know, <laughs> um, and so I, I think that's something that we should we should feel good about. Definitely. And this is really a very new pro- project for the Jewish music world. J License was established in 2017. So this is really very new. We're we're cutting edge <laughs> um, in this participation. Not every synagogue does this yet, um, but more and more are. And maybe say a word about who J License is and, and what organizations were involved in, in getting this launched. So J License is part of Transcontinental Music Publications, which is the largest Jewish music publisher um, in the world. Um, and it's run by the American Conference of Cantors. And that's the the American Conference of Cantors is the Reform Cantors Association, right? Right. The the sister organization of the the CCAR, the Central Conference of American Rabbis, that Rabbi David and I are a part of. Mm-hmm. And so, so Cantor, you're a member of the, the ACC, and this is, but this is not something that's just for the Reform movement, um, right? Right. It's for any synagogue, any and really not just synagogue, any Jewish community that is using Jewish music. I mean, I think this is so interesting. You know, any anytime we open up uh, a a songbook, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I go to photocopy music, there's mm-hmm. you know, there's always a copyright notice Absolutely. somewhere on the page. Yeah. But I mean, you're right. We've we've never done anything with that before, right? right? You know, whether we typed those lyrics onto a song sheet or mm-hmm. sang that song at a service or had that song be in a video that got posted to YouTube or used on a podcast. Sure. Um, you know, we we've really ignored that mm-hmm. that copyright notice and uh, you know i think it's really interesting that that the reform cantors have decided Mm -hmm. that that is not an acceptable ethical way for our jewish institutions to to behave right yeah and it's really interesting because it touches just so many different parts um you know when we had high holiday rehearsals with our choir this past summer we made recordings of the of the rehearsals and sent it out to everyone so that they could listen at home um but that's something that I should have reported to J. We didn't own it at that point. That I could have reported to J. License. Rehearsal recordings are something to report back to to them that we were using that music in rehearsals. And it'll be interesting to see over the next few years what the adoption is like. Yeah. Um, how many? You know, it is it is a little bit labor intensive. It is not a lot of money. I know we've been talking about how you pay and artists get paid, but it is it is a. A very nominal amount of money. It's not a secret. I don't. What do? What are we? Three hundred dollars. Three hundred dollars for the year. For the year. For yeah. as much music as we can use. Exactly. And all we have to do is report to them and tell them Correct. when we're singing what. So mm-hmm. you know, three hundred dollars for the year, and that's based on the size of our synagogue. Correct. And the number of people who are generally at our mm-hmm. services and and our and our events. So if we were we were a mega synagogue it would be a little bit more or or it could be a little bit less but i mean we're not talking about huge amounts of money here um but i think you know the idea is that they they add up and they could really be significant in the lives of some of these musicians uh who are doing this as a as a profession sure yeah we, there's some music that we sing what do we sing every single week every single week at the beginning of shabbat we sing um Shalom Aleichem Every single week we sing that. And so every single week I report that Shalom Aleichem to J-License. Wow. I wonder what the most reported song is to J-License. What, what, would, you, what would be your guess? Um, that's a great question. I think Shema is probably up there. 
the Solzer Shema. The Solzer Shema Shema Yisrael. I, I bet also um, uh, Debbie Friedman's Misha Berach is up there. I'd be willing to bet that's up there. It's got to be. And that actually, that that raises a question that I wanted to ask. So, as some of our listeners know, mm-hmm. we don't always sing Debbie Friedman's Misha Berach. That's true. Uh, because uh, a year, a little more than a year ago, you you wrote your own Misha Berach. I did. That we really like and that and that we sing. So... Is your Misha Berach available in, on J license? Can other, can other congregations? <laughs> no, it is not yet. Uh, so my Misha Berach is not published. Um, and I would have to submit it to J license so that other people could find it if they did sing it in their synagogues. I think we should do that. Okay, I'm on it. I mean, because then <laughs> at least when, when we do it, we would report it. That's true. And, yep. you know, some of, those, some of those royalties that you deserve would start. Start coming Rolling back. Rolling in. <laughs> so my next question is: we've we've talked about how uh, Cantor, you're going to be in charge of doing all of this, and and uh, you know you got us into this program and learned about it, and from week to week you're going to be doing the reporting. And so one question that we sometimes get asked is: so how much of this stuff did they teach you in Cantorial school, or did you learn about about copyright laws, or what what you have to do with these things? Nothing. <laughs> I learned nothing about this. Um, with, I guess, the, the the exception, there's so there's a difference between the music that we sing and the mu- music that I photocopy. That we did talk about in school because, really, every time you make, um, you need a copy for someone. So a copy for me of music, a copy for our accompanist, Jim, if we have the choir, copies of music for everyone in the choir that copyright law we talked about that I need to purchase a copy for each person who is going to be using it so um when when we find a new choral piece or there's a special song that I want to sing on Shabbat um and there's music that I want to use I have to make sure that I make a purchase for myself and for Jim, um, that we talked about in Cantorial School. But when I was in Cantorial School, we there wasn't live streaming yet. I don't think, and there weren't really podcasts weren't quite as popular, um, and so people weren't broadcasting that way. And so all of this um, G license just wasn't a thing. We weren't we weren't talking about it yet. I think you you touched on something really interesting though. Um, the rise of streaming. And we know yeah. a lot of synagogues now are putting their services online uh, for people to watch in real time or even to watch later. Mm-hmm. And the people who are watching those live streams are not necessarily the congregants of those synagogues. They might be from anywhere in the world. That and I think now that the the music performances, you know, they're not just happening in the room in the sanctuary, but they're going out into the world and they're, they're going online. Um, I think that has made us a lot more aware of using things legally and fairly. Absolutely. Yeah. It's something that I do frequently all all during the week. Um, while I'm working, I, I like to listen to different Shabbat services that have happened in Florida and California and Chicago. And, um, you know, it's a fun way for me to figure out, like, what are people singing everywhere else in the country? Um, and a good way to make sure that we're singing similar things. Also, we're staying on trend, so to speak. 
yeah, I, I definitely, I like to do that too. I like to tune into my friends' live streams and listen to their sermons. Absolutely. Um, you know, in rabbi work too, some of these issues also come up. And also in rabbinical school, they tell us, teach us absolutely nothing about it. <laughs> um, but of course, you know, when we make flyers, for example, or work on the website, you know, um, I tried very carefully to not to just sort of copy and paste pictures from the internet that that you know may or may not be free for public use but to but to find things that um that are public domain or that have a creative commons license that allows us to use them in the ways that we do um and i think i think those things are good best practices but are not really widespread in the synagogue world yet yeah i think we're we're coming into it it's becoming more common but hasn't been you know i heard a story um a few years ago that a, a synagogue i don't remember where was using um a picture of like a burger like something very innocuous for their potluck shabbat or something like that and it was not free domain to to be used on their flyer and they got fined the synagogue for using that picture so you know, you have to be you have to be careful and stay within your legal rights using clip art and and now and music also. Yeah. And you know, again, this is very much in keeping with the Jewish ethic of of creativity and and you know, our tradition is very concerned with creators and originality and you know, the famous sort of catchphrase for this concept is Bashem Omro, taken from Pirkei Avot, from a passage that says, one who says something, Beshem Omro, in the name of the person who said it. Essentially, someone who gives credit brings redemption to the world. Um, and they're talking there, especially about teachings, about, you know, new innovative learning, but that's applied for sure to circumstances of copyright in Jewish law and, and Jewish ethics, um, that we shouldn't you know, literally steal people's creativity or their ideas that we should make sure that that proper credit and proper compensation gets to people, especially for something uh, like writing music for for the synagogue. And so I'm glad we're doing that. Cantor, thank you for heading up that project. Absolutely. I'm really excited to be doing it. And uh, And as a result, you podcast listeners are going to get to hear a lot more music on the podcast because now we can do it. Absolutely. So I think, Cantor, the, the next time. Next project. The next yes. time you're slated in on the podcast, I, right? think, uh, I think we have to do some music. I'd love that. And figure out how to record it. And... <laughs> Absolutely. We'll figure it out. Friends, I think that is it for this episode of Cold DeRote On Your Way. As always, subscribe to the podcast. Share it with someone who you think might be interested in listening along with us. Leave a comment. Oh, leave a comment. I like that. Yeah. Give us a five-star rating. And even though we had a little bit of a break, we will now be back on our regular schedule. This is my commitment device by saying that out loud. Now we're <laughs> making sure that, that people will notice if we do not keep on a regular schedule. So that's that's what we're going to do. And so you will be hearing from us again very soon. Until next time, shalom, uvracha, peace and blessings from Kol Dorot. <laughs>